Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, and I am trying to come down from the heights of Mount Tabor. Yes, I have returned recently from a pilgrimage to the Holy Lands. It was my third time there. It's quite a privilege. I was asked to be one of the chaplains, in fact, the Eastern Catholic chaplain for the Theology Body Institute pilgrimage to the Holy Lands. Notice I said pilgrimage and not trip. It's not just a trip. Yes, it's a trip in a strict sense. You're going somewhere, but it's really a pilgrimage, which has a whole deep and comprehensive meaning to it. It has to do with our spirituality. It's a journey. It's something that affects you personally, something that will affect you in a way where you won't be the same afterwards, or you shouldn't be the same afterwards. And pilgrimage has a lot to do with the process, the actual effort of going there, of being en route, and what happens to us en route and during the pilgrimage. It's not so much just the destination, it's the en route process that also is transformative. So, yes, I did stand once again on Mount Tabor, where Jesus Christ was transfigured before the very eyes of his apostles, Peter, James, and John. They could hardly take it. That's why they fell flat on their faces, as we see in the beautiful icon of the transfiguration, because they were beholding Christ's divinity, his glory, but also they were beholding how the human person really was meant to be and how we will be in the eschaton when our bodies and souls are reunited and gloriously transfigured. So it was a glorious vision. And I stood on that mountain and looked out on what was a glorious vision as well, the Jezreel Plain that surrounds Mount Tabor, the beautiful, beautiful area. But coming down from that mountain, not only physically, but spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, We come down to walk with our Lord, as the apostles did, towards Calvary now, towards his suffering, his passion, his death, and of course then his resurrection, because we've entered now the season of Lent. And although I went to the very place where heaven touched earth, and I touched the very places where heaven touched earth, at the same time, during Lent, through the genius of the church, through our 
spirituality through the rigors of fasting, increased prayer, increased charity, the pulling back from what is not necessary, through all these things, and especially through the liturgy of the church, through its Eucharist especially, we actually touch the living Jerusalem, the living Christ. You know, going to the Holy Lands is something I would hope every Christian could do. It is transformative. It is life-altering. And you never read the scriptures the same way again after having been there. But even so, what you're touching is, to speak very plainly, rocks, mostly rocks, (laughs) things that are the places where Christ, in fact, did actually step, where his cross actually was planted in the ground and raised up on Mount Calvary. And these are special places, and we should go to see them, and to touch them is transformative. However, they are still rocks. They are holy, and but they are testimonies to what happened. But what happened is not bound by time. What happened there, it is something that transcends all time. It is something that is living, something that Christ did not want to be contained just in that spot and in those rocks. It is something that is living for all eternity. And where does it live? It lives in two places. It lives in our heart, and it lives in the liturgy of the church, especially in the Eucharist. It lives in the prayer and the asceticism of the church, especially now during Lent. As I walk in the footsteps of Christ, literally took the Villa Dolorosa, you know, the path there, the way of the cross, walked down the very steps that Jesus Christ walked down when he was arrested and then taken to Pilate and Herod, and through the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives, where he spent that time in prayer with our Lord, with his Father in heaven. And there where Judas betrayed him in the garden while the apostles were sleeping. We walk those steps, but now we walk them in a living way through the liturgy of the church and through the Lenten season. That's really our journey. Those steps, that journey to Calvary, and ultimately to the resurrection. And how do we do that journey? We do that through the fasting, the prayer, the penance, the forgiveness, confession, and the increased charity of pulling back from things, of making more space for God. That's how we walk in those steps now, but in a living way, no longer walking over rocks which are holy, but vestiges of what happened, in other words, past tense. We now walk on the rocks that are timeless, that are meant for all time. And those rocks, those places are now in our heart and through the life of the church. First of all, I mentioned we're in a period of fasting, and this is very significant. I'm going to read you something that came from uh, an excerpt that actually was found by one of my assistants here at the parish, one of my assistant secretaries. It's from Parvimir, parvimir.com, P-A-R-V-I-M-I-R parvamir.com. It's a little meditation on the approach to fasting. And it says this, it is during Lent you find yourself getting proud of your fasting sometimes. Well, quick, eat some meat. Pride is much worse than breaking the fast. Fasting is not what Lent is all about. The purpose of Lent is to bring us nearer to God, nearer to our brothers and sisters. Fasting is only a tool. Fast with the church, using the church's fasting rules as a guide. Keep food simple. Eat light. Avoid snacks if you can. Remember that the church's fasting rules may be adjusted for good cause. Now stop for a moment there. The traditional fasting rules in the 
many of the Eastern churches, including my church, the Byzantine church, is no meat or dairy throughout the entire 40 days of Lent. But as this little meditation from parvamir.com says, if you need to adjust that, that's okay, because it's a tool. It's a means to an end. It's not the end in itself. It's to make us less proud. It's to make us more holy, bring us closer to Christ. Now I'll continue with the meditation. During Lent, seek God and His will. Simplify your life. Cut back on entertainments. Don't just give up things. Take on good things. Try to concentrate on what's most important, God and your neighbor. Come to worship more often. Set aside time for extra prayer and study and for your family and those you love. Take what you save by eating less and give it to the needy. The purpose of fasting is not to make you suffer. Fasting will help you gain control over the desires of your self-will and immediate self-gratification. The purpose of fasting is to teach us to keep a discipline so that when you need to give up something important, you'll be in practice. Again, a good little meditation from parbamir.com. So fasting is a means to an end. It has a holiness in itself. It's what we call an ascetical discipline. But it's a means to an end. It's to break the tyranny of our passions, of our self-centeredness, our narcissism, which is runs deep in us, really, especially in our day and age. We live in a very narcissistic age. It's a way of saying no to ourselves, to desires, even if they're good things. Say no to them. Pull back. In fact, that's the whole trick. It's easy to say no to really bad things or repulsive things. No, we have to say no to attractive things or good things, not because they're suddenly bad or we're supposed to make ourselves suffer, but so that nothing, nothing has control over us Nothing is our false God except we have and believe in the real God, God himself. He is the one that governs our life. He doesn't control us, but he is there as the God of our lives, of everything, and not something of the material world. Something material does not control us, and so oftentimes it does, even little ways. So we can actually pull back from things. As this meditation said, pull back from all kinds of things that second helping of something, or that snack, or listening to the radio all the time, going to your phone all the time. Just pull back on that. Pull back on it gradually so that you open up more time for silence. As I mentioned, our journey is to our heart, to our real selves. That's the journey of Lent. Yes, it is walking Christ's footsteps to Calvary, spiritually speaking, but it's the Calvary in our lone lives. It's our, it's our cells that we try to come back to, like the prodigal son. You know, the proper translation of that story is when he returns to the father is he returns to himself. In other words, he, he regains his true mind. He comes to his real self, which is a self that is disciplined, controlled, focusing on God, mindful of his father, which is a metaphor for our father in heaven. This is what Lent is about. It's a return to our real selves. And for that, we have to make space, give up so as to make that room, develop that discipline, replace things that we give up with better things. And that which we've given up, usually it allows us to have a little extra money. Yeah, because everything we do, for the most part, costs us money, whether it's extra food or the snack or whatever. So put those little pennies aside called the widow's might. It's a real tradition during the Lenten season, the Catholic faith, is to put aside those pennies, those, those little bits of money that we save by pulling back from things. 
and give it to the needy. It's hardly a sacrifice at all, but at least it's something that makes us mindful. So we say no in order to say yes. We say no to lesser things, to the tyranny of passions, in order to say yes to our true selves, to our neighbor, and to God. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Hello, I'm Father Thomas Loya. I am inviting you to the Byzantine Gospel. This is a Byzantine Catholic Lenten mission for Northwest Indiana. It's going to take place Sunday, March 29th from 1 to 5 p.m. at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Church, 509 West Division Road in Valparaiso, Indiana. The featured speaker is Mike Aquilina. Father Tom, tell us about Mike. He's the executive vice president and trustee of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. He is a widely recognized Catholic author and lecturer. Mike Aquilina's books include the best-selling The Fathers of the Church, an introduction to the first Christian teachers. The scriptures come alive during the Byzantine Catholic Lenten mission for Northwest Indiana at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Church, 509 West Division Road in Valparaiso, Indiana. Friday afternoon, March 29th from 1 to 5. If that went by too fast, or if you have questions, send an email to taborlifeatearthlink.net. That's T-A-B-O-R, life at earthlink.net. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyer, your host during this journey to Calvary that I took physically during my Theology Body Institute-sponsored pilgrimage to the Holy Lands. But now, as I returned, I set about the journey to the Holy Lands again. But it's the Holy Lands within myself. It's the Holy Lands within the liturgy of the Church. And this is what we're doing during Lent. We are on our way to Calvary, to the resurrection, via the genius of the church, its prayer, its Lenten discipline. And speaking of prayer, I want to mention something to you that you might find very helpful. It's an online school of prayer called Return to Me. It's based on Isaiah chapter 44. 
And there are various presenters. You can find out about that by going to stmarywhiting.org forward slash return to me. ST would be Saint Mary. So stmarywhiting.org. Saintmary.org forward slash return to home. This is an online school of prayer. They have several classes, March 5th, March 12th, March 19th, March 26th, April 2nd. So this would be a good thing to look into. Return to me. Once again, stmarywhiting.org forward slash return to me. So we fast and we pray. And in speaking of our prayer, I'm going to walk through some of the prayer of the Byzantine liturgical life during this Lenten season. And to see how through the prayer, we immerse ourselves in this journey. This is the journey to Calvary by way of the prayer. We have prayers that say things like this. So faithful, let us welcome the announcement of the fast with joy, as did the Ninevites in days of old, and as the adulterous and publicans. Let us welcome John's message of conversion. By abstinence, let us prepare ourselves for the holy supper of the Lord on Zion. By our tears, let us purify ourselves before he bathes us as he did the glorious disciples. Let us pray for the grace to contemplate the mystery that inaugurates the true Pasch. Let us prepare to adore the Holy Cross so that we may glorify the resurrection of Christ, our God. And let us say to him, O Lord and lover of mankind, you are our hope. Do not drive us far from you. Notice all the scriptural references here. It said at the beginning, O faithful, let us welcome the announcement of the fast with joy, as did the Ninevites in days of old. You see, the fast that we know during Lent, the 40-day fast, originally this was called the Ninevite fast, and it was a fast that was just the week before Holy Week. And it was based upon the fast of the Ninevites in the book of Jonah. Remember the famous story of Jonah, the, the reluctant prophet who ends up in the belly of the whale for three days, and then he is spewed out by the whale, reminiscent of Christ's resurrection, and he becomes a great prophet. And he goes through the streets, and he announces this fast that stayed the hand of God from the retribution that the Ninevites deserved. So we call it the Ninevite fast. Well, later on, in other Eastern churches, it was expanded to be 40 days. So it started with the Ninevites and with some of the early Eastern churches, and then it spread to other Eastern churches and was expanded upon and went for 40 days, as we know today. So the fast that we have is a very ancient one. Again, it went through some development, but this is what this prayer is referring to. And a lot of the scripture references too, the adulterous, the publican, all the people that needed repentance. And it says, by our tears, let us purify ourselves before Christ bathes us as he did the glorious disciples. Some more references from the liturgy of the Byzantine church during Lent are these. Having first plucked death from the forbidden tree, we are now given life by the tree of the cross. See how they make that little play? It says, having first plucked death from the forbidden tree. In reaching out and pulling that forbidden fruit off the tree, plucking it off the tree, Eve plucked death from the forbidden tree. But now it is through a tree that life, the tree of the cross, that life will come to us again. Because of his hospitality, Abraham welcomed the divine trinity in the form of angels. In fact, if you recall, if you've ever seen the icon of the trinity, it features three angels, which are the three angels that 
Abraham hosted when they visited him. In fact, that, that icon is sometimes called the hospitality of Abraham, but it's a metaphor foreshadowing an allegory of the Trinity. Even though Abraham didn't know that God was Trinity at the time, it was a in a shadowy form as a foreshadowing. And that's why Byzantine iconography uses the three angels to depict the Trinity, because in iconography, you can't paint God the Father or the Holy Spirit, because only the second person of the Trinity became incarnate, became an image and fleshed. So we want to portray the Trinity, so we have to do it symbolically. So we do it with the three angels. That's become the classic representation of the Trinity in Byzantine iconography. Again, based on Abraham's experience. In the days of old on Mount Sinai, Moses received the vision of God by fasting. And Elijah the prophet was carried aloft in a chariot of fire. Purified by fasting, Isaiah received the burning coal on his lips, an ember which the seraphim had taken from the altar. By fasting, Daniel and the three ewes closed the mouth of lions and trampled underfoot the flames of fire. Formerly, Jonah was saved in the whale by fasting. Formerly, the Ninevites calmed the wrath of God by their heartfelt conversion. Having first fasted, Joseph escaped the embrace of the shameless woman and obtained royal dignity. By fasting, he also extinguished the flaming darts of the enemy. By fasting, David was also victorious over the foreigner and found royalty. By abstinence, let us triumph over the enemy, and we shall be crowned in the Lord. We have various models of virtue. Let us imitate the courage of Job, the sincerity of Jacob, and the faith of Abraham, the wisdom of Joseph, and the valor of David. Notice all these scriptural references that have to do with fasting and virtue and conversion. Lent is a time of return to our biblical roots, but it is especially a time, as I mentioned before, and we'll keep mentioning, it's a return to our true selves, our purified selves, our disciplined selves, the selves that are very much like Adam and Eve before the fall, St. John Paul II would call it original man, and also eschatological man. In other words, how we were at the beginning before sin and how we will be in heaven when Christ comes back at the final judgment and our bodies rise up again and rejoin our souls and are gloriously transfigured if we are saved and will live gloriously in heaven forever, just as the apostles saw in Christ on Mount Tabor. So this is what Lent is a return to. It's a return and also an anticipation of our original glory and our future and eternal glory. The season of abstinence has arrived, the prayer says. It enlightens the disposition of our spiritual understanding and repels the darkness of passions. Let us also embrace it with our heart as we extol Christ. This line here, it enlightens the disposition of our spiritual understanding. What a, what a beautiful and deep and profound statement that is. Again, the meaning of our discipline. It's not just a spiritual gymnastic. As we said before, not, it's not just supposed to make us miserable or something we just accomplish and we go back to how we were after the fast. It's supposed to transform us, enlighten the disposition of our spiritual understanding. In other words, make us holier, wiser, deeper, so that we can go through life without being dependent on these things, without being controlled by these things that we've given up or pulled away from. We've made more room for God. We've journeyed back to our true selves. Extending your divine hands on the cross, you gather that which formerly had been scattered. As a mediator, you bring our condemned nature as a gift to your Father. 
Therefore, O Redeemer, we praise your divine crucifixion. Isn't that beautiful? Christ on the cross is not just the suffering. He's extending his hands to gather that which was formerly scattered. Us. See, Christ outstretched arms on the cross. It was not only his suffering. It was an embrace of love, as if he was embracing the whole world and drawing it to himself, to take it with him and bring it, as the prayer says here, as a gift to his Father. In other words, redeemed humanity, like he's saying, come to me, I will take you all to my breast and cleanse you, forgive you, redeem you, and take you back to my Father, because you've been separated like the prodigal son. These are just some of the marvelous insights that the prayer of the church provides for us as we journey now in the steps of Jesus Christ spiritually through the genius of the church, through its liturgy, its prayer, its ascetical discipline, but also we journey back to our true selves. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Look to EWTN for inspiring Lenten programming. This is Father Thomas Petrie, Godly Counsel on Morning Glory. Lent is a time of spiritual renewal when the Church journeys with Christ, who is both God and man, and in his humanity can suffer, can be hungry, can sacrifice, just as much as we can, in fact even more. So during this Lenten season, we give things up in our penance to journey with him. We pray more to come closer to him. And we give alms so that, like Christ, we can offer something up for the poor. Christ, who offered himself up for us. During this Lenten season, all of us at EWTN Radio are praying that you have a holy and blessed season to grow closer to Christ as we prepare for the Paschal celebration. Lenten programs now through Holy Thursday on EWTN Radio and TV. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.